right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Some people are just better with the written word rather than the spoken word. Jim Garrity just posting up onto the Twitter machine as well. There is a space between the U.S. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff calling up his counterpart in China and knocking down rumors, making it clear that the U.S. was not at war with China I did not intend to go to war with China. There was no desire for war with China. So there's a space between that and calling up his counterpart and declaring, you and I have known each other uh, five years now, and if you know we were going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time, okay? It's not going to be a surprise. Right? There's, a, there were, there's a lot of room between those two scenarios. And people are right now trying to pretend that there isn't. And there absolutely is. There absolutely is. But what this exposes, and to me, what it exposes is sort of this, this Trump derangement syndrome, if you will. But it's how Trump broke so many people. The never-Trumpers, and, and by the way, I do not consider myself to be a never-Trumper. Like, they've taken, like, they've adopted this as sort of their, their identity, and it corrupts. This is the problem. It corrupts the thinking. And so you're listening to people like Jennifer Rubin, who has literally done a 180 on virtually every position she has ever held. She was purportedly the conservative columnist at the Washington Post, and now she's just a full-on left-wing moonbat. So, and she still gets to keep the column. I don't and it's not even a very good column. Um, all right, let me go over here to Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good, very good. How are you? Good. What's up? Hey, I just had, you know, you know the lady you were talking about that, uh, you know, with Biden and her son or whatever, you know, I, I read the same article and I tried to read it objectively and it just sort of came across that she had it in for him. Sure. I mean, she hated him before he even showed up. True. He I sort would, of yeah. dressed him down, yeah. and then he turned around and walked away. Right. He reached out. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you just take it for face value that, you know, right or wrong, he offered his condolences, or do you have to read a lot into it? Well, well what's the—so what did you think the point of the story that I told was? Well, I, I think it's like here's a big thing where Trump, you know, if it had been Trump, we'd have listened to months and months of it, and with—, with uh, with her, sort of, it just got glossed over with Biden. And I mean, do you think I, that? I, so that's right. It was a media critique. Do you think that it is inaccurate? Uh, well, I think that in this, I'm going to apply it to something different. That if if you have salt and you don't, and you have your arm and you rub it on it, it doesn't hurt it at all. But if you've got a wound and you've got it in that you think Trump was unfairly treated or was mishandled or that you know all of a sudden the fact that it didn't get all the play you think it should all of a sudden it's unfair media and i don't know that that's necessarily the case all the time right but you see this is the nice thing about the actual example that we are talking about is that there is an actual analogous example to compare it to which is not even trump it's george w bush and cindy sheehan that's the comparison and the comparison that was made is entirely accurate. 
Cindy Sheehan got months, if not years, of coverage. And she hated George W. Bush. I don't know. Maybe she has a, 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 a had a better, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, you know, media person or something like that. Why I would mean, you say that? She was just how, a, how you, she was just a gold star mom. Her, she she had a son who died in Iraq, and she got so mad, and she went out and camped out in front of uh, George W. Bush's ranch. That's what happened. She didn't need a PR firm for that. She just went out and did it. And then the media. This is so in so in media world, we call this earned media, which means you do something to earn coverage, right? And so, okay. if you, you know, and so you can go out like guerrilla marketing. You probably heard this as well, right? Where you go out and you do something that gets a lot of attention and that then gets you um, the coverage. It gets you uh, this essentially a marketing strategy. It gets you a, 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 an impact. And that's what she did. She went out and she yelled at George W. Bush's ranch while he was out there, you know, clearing brush or whatever. And all the media showed up and they gave her all the airtime. They did interviews with her. It was wall to wall all over the place because the media didn't like George W. Bush. They didn't like the war. And she was articulating that position. And so when you have this woman who loses a son, she goes out and she yells at Joe Biden. Very similar circumstances. She says she's now going to go drive out and camp out in front of the White House and yell at him that he needs to resign. They don't care. It is very analogous. It's absolutely analogous. And it's an indictment on the way coverage is determined. It's not necessarily well, about the candidates. You're putting the cart before the horse. You're saying the coverage should be, you know, you know the, the action should be a result of the coverage, and it, the, the coverage is a result of the action. I, you know, I, I, I just, I, I understand what you're, the point you're driving, but I, you know, there they, they are two entirely different situations. There's, there's the Biden-Trump, and there was Bush and, I don't know, the Bush and the press? Is that what it was? Bush and, are, are you asking whether or not George W. Bush was treated better or worse than Joe Biden by the media? Well, I don't know. I think Biden, well, from, from your standpoint, Biden's treated much better from the examples that you've given. In general, from that one example that I gave you, absolutely. It's a, it's a it's a matter of it's a matter of how coverage gets determined, and then how the coverage drives the uh, the narrative for our society. Because everybody, like the fact that you know the woman I'm talking about, right, Cindy Sheehan. The fact that you mm-hmm. know the woman I'm talking about is a testament to the very fact of what I'm saying being true. That she got so much coverage. Everybody knew who she was, what she was about, even if they didn't remember her exact name. But they knew that this mom lost her kid and she was out there protesting the president, George W. Bush. And that's been almost 20 years. And now you have another woman who's doing the same thing and nobody knows who she is. Nobody cares. And in fact, she had her stuff shut down off of Facebook and Instagram. Right. She got basically censored by them. So like that, that's obviously a different approach. I don't think, okay. you, I mean, you can't argue that there's a different approach in coverage. No, no, and I'll ask one last question because I don't want to uh, talk too much. But so is that orchestrated? Does that evolve naturally? Or is it a matter of, you know, money for the news media, you know, revenue? What, what, what drives it, or is it just random, whatever takes hold? It's not, it's not random, per se. It, it, it is a, it's a result of... People in the newsroom believing similar things. It's a lack of diversity in viewpoint, essentially. 
where you have so many news organizations that are driven by a model that gives the audience what they want, right? But also that the people who create the content, they are all of a similar viewpoint. And so things that are interesting to them that they determine are news, then that's what gets covered. And things that aren't important or interesting to them do not get covered. Or if they do, they get, they'll do one story and they move along. And that's it. And this is borne out in multiple studies about newsroom uh, party affiliation. News Talk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. WBT Let me bounce over here to Ryan. Welcome to the show. Ryan, hello. How are you? Hey, Pete. How are you doing today? Good, man. What's up? Okay, so your last caller, I I had to fight the, the apoplexy that I, I was that was overcoming me for a moment because it wasn't just that the media coverage was glossed over. It's that this world was completely silent. And when you consider that 20% or more of their people get their news from social media, having someone silence on social media is, is, is serious. Yeah, it's, it's censorship. Serious. And you can't even compare it to how it was during the Bush administration. So for your audience, I, I have a list right here real quick. I was going to read real quick to give you an idea of the manipulation that happened, especially since, I mean, it would happen during the Clinton administration all the way back then. But the Obama, uh, the Obama and Biden administration took it to a level that was uh, unheard of. Listen to this. ABC News producer Ian Cameron is married to Susan Rice, National Security Advisor. CBS President David Rhodes is the brother of Ben Rhodes, Obama's Deputy National Security Advisor. ABC News correspondent Claire Shipman is married to White House Press Secretary Jay Carney. ABC News Univision reporter Matthew Yaffe is married to Katie Hogan, Obama's Press Secretary. Listen to this. ABC President, President Ben Sherwood is the brother of Obama's Special Advisor, Elizabeth Sherwood. And then CNN president Virginia Mosley is married to former Hillary Clinton Deputy Secretary Tom uh, Nita. Right. Then, I, then, then, I understand I mean, your point about the incestuous nature of media and uh, Democrats. The date, uh, your list is a little dated, I would submit. I, I, I get it. I, I know that. <laughs> it, it, it's dated because we're talking about the Obama administration. Right. But the thing is, is that once Clinton lost and Bush took over, imagine how apoplectic these people were that, I, I mean, it was already Hillary Clinton's turn, right? It was her turn. Mm-hmm. And when you look at even what happened in 2008, when Obama first came out of the scene, and do you remember who the DNC chairman was in 2008, Pete? In 08. Who, who he was in 08, yeah. Uh, I don't. Who was, who was Clinton's VP pick? Uh, John Kerry, right? No. no. No, no, wait, yeah. wait. Uh, Bill, or you're talking about uh, Hillary Clinton. It was, uh, what's his bucket? Uh, uh, John Kerry. What, that was Secretary of State. What was the, uh, what was the guy? Kane, Kane, yeah, Kane. Kane, right. He was the DNC chairman. Okay. When Obama got the nod, uh, Clinton approached him and said, listen, I will, I will nominate you as my VP if, when you step down as DNC chair, you nominate Debbie Washington Schultz. And that's exactly what happened. That was a quid pro quo that set up in 2016 the sham candidacy of let's not talk about emails um oh my god what is his name um oh the guy who ran against her and said let's say uh, bernie sanders yeah. you're talking about uh, tired of talking about your damn emails or whatever yeah it, it, it's so hard to keep this straight but yeah it, i mean 
it, when you look at it, when it's all laid out, it is so gross. What, what, one last question. I'm going to ask you one last question. And this is an easy one because you hear Democrats, especially the Antifa guys, complain about this so much. Pete, what is it called when government has an, uh, I'll use your word, incestuous relationship with corporate, uh, with corporations and cor- uh, corporations that have um, influence over the over a body politic? What is that called again? Yeah, so you're talking about fascism, which is government yeah. controlled via the regulata- uh, via the regulatory state with a veneer of the free market. So you basically get the corporate entities to do your work for you, much like a COVID vaccine, for example. Exactly. So yeah. here we have the situation where these people are are woefully misinformed. They're looking at, at Trump like he's the most fascist president ever. And yet, there's all this happening behind the scenes, and, and they're not even aware. That last caller that you had, I mean, she was so rosy fair about this all. Oh, what do you mean? There's a bias against Trump? What, what are you talking about? Yeah. Trump is the fascist. He's, oh, gosh. It's, 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 it's I will, But I will say this. I give Dean, the previous caller, I give him credit for listening to the show. And for calling in, I do, because it's difficult. A lot of people don't even try to uh, to try to listen to something because it creates the cognitive dissonance. But I I actually I read and consume far more media from, quote, mainstream outlets and the left outlets than I do the right, because I I I, I got a pretty good idea of what I believe. And I got a pretty good idea what the right believes, because I am generally more towards the right. So um I don't need to read all of the stuff on the right. I do want to know what the left thinks about things. And right. that's why I read a lot of that. And also, they set it's they 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 labor under a delusion that they have not won the culture war. And they have. They yeah. they own the institutions, they they own the culture, they set the the agenda, but they are either ignorant of this or they pretend they they don't have this power when they absolutely do. Uh, and this the story of the the gold star moms is a perfect example of it, because when they when the woman who attacks the Democrat can't get coverage, but the woman who attacks the Republican is elevated as an idol. Therein lies the proof of the very thing we're discussing. But also to your point earlier, Ryan, I appreciate the call about the uh, uh, the uh, the social media uh, impact here as well couple stories here you mentioned the connections i'll just jump ahead to this one i was going to do this last but i'll do it right now real quick facebook has hired a democratic aide away from a senate committee that senate committee has been focusing on reigning in big tech the company confirmed to fox business that john branscombe staff director and former chief counsel for the senate commerce subcommittee on technology is joining the ranks of Facebook's federal policy team. One Democrat told Politico, which first reported the news, that the hire was, quote, a stroke of brilliance by Facebook. You'd be hard-pressed to get somebody more respected than John Branscombe in that position. Influential Democratic aide from the committee investigating big tech takes the gig at Facebook, right? Well, if you can't beat him, hire him. I guess that's the way it goes. Got an email to Pete at the Pete show.com from Ann who says, sorry, Ann Marie, who says when Cindy Sheehan ran against Nancy Pelosi, she was shut down and not heard from again. I had forgotten that. Great point. That's when Cindy Sheehan, because remember she went 
like, uh, didn't she join up with Code Pink? And then when Democrats got back into control briefly and uh, they didn't stop the war and then Cindy Sheehan turned on Pelosi and then that was it. Like, oh, can't listen to, to you anymore, Cindy. Sorry, you served your purpose. You're done. Uh, let me go over here to John. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Uh, and if you could, uh, whatever turn down that is in the, is that the radio? Or is that a buzzsaw? It sounds like a buzzsaw that he just walked into. Um, sorry, John, you can call back or, uh, I don't know, let me, no, he's gone. 704 That's the number, by the way. If you want to call back and check in, I wanted to take his call because he had a comment there I was interested in, but I shall move on. So the Wall Street Journal, big story today about the Facebook and uh, it, has not, it doesn't even have anything to do with this story that I mentioned before the news about hiring away this guy, John Branscombe, from the Senate committee that has been focusing on uh, the reach of big tech and Facebook. So Facebook hired him. And uh, this is according to FoxBusiness.com, story by Breck Dumas. Dumas. Anyway. Uh, The move comes as lawmakers on both sides of the political aisle have vowed to impose more stringent regulations on social media giants like Facebook and Twitter, with Republicans uh, arguing that big tech is actively censoring conservatives, while Democrats say the company should be forced to do more to stamp out misinformation on their sites. By the way, this is the 230G argument. You've probably heard about that. I've covered this over the last uh, year or so on the podcast, but... Um, which you can find, by the way, go to WBT.com. You can get the podcast there, all of the old, uh, all of my old shows, they're all there. So for uh, Brian, uh, who uh, who doesn't listen but knows everything I talk about, if you want to fill some time, you can uh, take the podcast with you. Anyway, uh, do, 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 do Republican, this is 230, uh, this is the, uh, uh, the two, section 230, I said 230G, didn't I? 237G, that's not the, all right. It's not the immigration thing. It's the Section 230 of the about the Internet and who owns it and the publishers and all this. And this is why there might be an opportunity to dismantle that law, which, by the way, I'm not I'm not sold that that's the best thing to do, by the way. I'm just not again open to be persuaded. I'm just not convinced that it's going to actually yield a better result, because here's the thing. Democrats want to attack it because they want to beef it up in order to go after their enemies, right? So Democrats want to open up the amendment of this section so they can make it worse. Now, if you trust the Republicans to be able to fight the Democrats and win, then I guess you could sign on to <laughs> But uh, I'm not so sure that's the best winning argument. So, um Anyway, with Democrats currently controlling both chambers of commerce, uh, Congress rather, uh, and the presidency, the hire of this fella could help fend off not only threats from Democratic lawmakers, but the Biden administration's regulatory agencies. Well, why would that be the case? This guy was staff director and the former chief counsel for the Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Technology, and he was going after the, the tech companies and Facebook, and now Facebook hires him, and now he's... Now he's going to be able to fend them off. Why why ever would that happen? Are you suggesting that having somebody on the inside might shield them? Interesting. Almost as if it's who you know, not what you know.
The Federal Trade Commission is currently suing Facebook, trying to break up the company, claiming the firm has violated antitrust laws and alleging that it holds an oversized share of the social media market between its main network and its ownership of Instagram and WhatsApp. So, anyway, uh, also, I just saw that the uh, part of this Wall Street Journal report uh, about Facebook is that they know that Instagram is a toxic hellscape for teenage girls. They know this. They don't. Uh, the, all of this information, like that, that people are kind of now becoming aware of, or have been for a few years. Facebook has known. They literally engineer their site in order to induce behaviors. They hire people, sociologists, psychologists. They hire people in order to get you to do the things that you do on these sites. You ever wonder why they give you a little bell every time there's a notification? It has to do with dogs and feeding. John's got back through. Hey, John, welcome back. How are you? Hey, uh, Pete. Uh, doing just fine. Hope you're doing good. I am. What's going on? Hey, I think this whole uh, uh, what happens with the media it needs to be described for what it is. Um, and it, to me, it's agenda journalism. They have an agenda, and then they drive whatever story that fits their agenda in that direction. And it ought to be described, called that. It's not fake news. It's worse than that. It's actually uh, trying to create a perspective and drive a perspective. And it's an agenda. It's agenda journalism. So I, I, I do agree, particularly at the national level. But there are different, I mean, we need to be clear. Like, I'm media, right? Um, and so we need to be clear, like, there are, especially when you're talking about local versus state versus national there are versus you know TV versus print versus radio versus internet right there are, there are people that are doing good journalism in all of these uh, in all sorts of outlets all over the place. Uh, the problem is is that as you move up the uh, you know in market size and go to the networks and as you become more famous and you get bigger platforms that there is this uh, there's a funneling effect right there's everybody is now going up to the top and they're all getting selected. They're being picked up and brought up to that upper level. They're not breaking through because they're fantastic necessarily. And if their politics aren't correct, then they don't get those shots. And that's how you end up with newsrooms that are ideologically the same. And um, this happens. I mean, it can be. It, it, so here's the problem. Like, I agree with you that there is, there are a lot of outfits that are agenda driven. I do. But I also believe that there are people that work in these newsrooms that, and I don't want to be mean about it, but they're not very bright. And they they do their jobs well, but they're not curious. They don't ask a lot of questions about certain things, um, and they're not aware of certain things. They're just not educated about, you know, political philosophy, yeah. for example. And there are a lot of people in these newsrooms that, that are like that. They just don't know. Well, I, I still think the uh, overall, especially on the national front, mm-hmm. it, it's just agenda, agenda, agenda by, what, 85, 90, 95% sure. of journalists. Sure. Well, I mean, think, yeah, think, well, and think about why people get involved in, the, in uh, journalism to begin with. And usually they tell you it's something to do with, you know, I want to tell people stories. Well, that's an agenda. 
right? Because you're going to go out and find people's stories to tell, stories you find to be newsworthy, interesting. A reminder, all this month is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, September. So make some plans to come see us for the second annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive. It's going to be Thursday, September 30th at the One Blood Big Red Bus. Well, it's actually going to be at the Community Matters Cafe, but the blood donations and platelet donations will be at the bus, which will be at the cafe. And so then after you donate, anytime between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. to help the kids fighting cancer, then uh, you can also drop into the cafe and help the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Second annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive. Go to WBT.com slash events. It's September 30th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Wall Street Journal report. They got a bunch of documents about Facebook's, uh, how Facebook does its uh, uh, high-profile account moderation. This is pretty important, and it's related to what we were just talking about. Because you got people that are on there that get whitelisted. You know what whitelisted means? It means you're okay. Right, blacklisted means you're banned. Whitelisted means anything you do is fine. You're an approved person. They have a whitelist, and what? And so what that means is there are people that are on these lists, high-profile accounts, that spread a whole bunch of garbage, and they don't get moderated like you do. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. High, and this one also I thought was great. This is from the, the Wall Street Journal report. High-profile accounts posed greater risks than regular ones that were, uh, yet they were least policed. In private, the company has built a system that has exempted high-profile users from some or all of its rules. The program is known as cross-checks, uh, cross-check or X-check. Get it? Cross-check. So X-check. And it was initially intended as a quality control measure for actions taken against high-profile accounts, including celebrities, politicians, and journalists. Today, it shields millions of VIP users from the company's normal enforcement process. Some users are whitelisted, which means they're rendered immune from enforcement actions, while others are allowed to post rule-violating material pending Facebook employee reviews that often never come. At times, according to the documents obtained by the Wall Street Journal, X-Check, cross-check, has protected public figures whose posts contain harassment, incitement to violence, violations that would typically lead to sanctions for regular users, they get a pass. In 2019, it allowed that international soccer star Neymar, 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 whatever, I don't know. He posted, I don't care, he's a soccer player. Um, He posted nude photos of a woman that had accused him of rape. Tens of millions of his fans saw that. Facebook eventually did remove it. Whitelisted accounts, though, shared inflammatory claims that Facebook's fact checkers deemed to be false, including that vaccines are deadly, that Hillary Clinton had covered up pedophile rings, and that President Trump had called all refugees seeking asylum animals. These were all deemed to be false, but they were all allowed to spread on Facebook by their whitelisted, protected, immune VIPs. 2019, there was an internal review of Facebook's whitelisting practices They marked it attorney-client privilege, and it found favoritism to those users to be both widespread and, quote, not publicly defensible. 
<laughs> so in other words, we have no good reason for this. And if it gets public, this is why it's attorney-client privilege. If it gets public, we're not going to be able to defend it. A confidential source admitted, quote, we're not actually doing what we say we do publicly. XCheck has at least 5.8 million people. That's how many people are whitelisted by Facebook. It has, Facebook has these, it literally has tiers, elite tiers within the social network because it has such a hard time to, quote, accurately moderate a torrent of content and avoid negative attention. Facebook even misled its own oversight board, which Facebook created to ensure the accountability of the company's enforcement systems. So the oversight board was supposed to be the board that made sure that Facebook was behaving correctly. And they lied to their own oversight board. The documents include research reports, online employee discussions, as well as drafts of presentations to senior management, including Zuckerberg. They aren't uh, the result of idle grumbling, but rather the formal work of teams whose job was to examine the social network and figure out how it could improve. They offer perhaps the clearest picture thus far of how broadly Facebook's problems are known inside the company, all the way up to Mark Zuckerberg. And when Facebook speaks publicly about a lot of these issues to lawmakers and regulators, uh, and in the case of uh, Crosscheck, its own oversight board, A lot of times it gives misleading or partial answers, masking just how much it knows. So if you're whitelisted, you get around the rules. They don't apply to you. And how do you get whitelisted? Well, your qualifications include being newsworthy. That's it. Which might explain why I've never been. I don't know. They don't even know who I am. Never mind. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's why I've never been banned. Hey, Facebook, why don't you? No. Uh, So qualifications include being newsworthy, influential or popular, or my favorite category, PR risky. PR risky. You know what that means. That means if they were to take action against somebody, the blowback from the activists would be so great that they, they would have to turn them back on. High profile accounts posed greater risks than regular ones, yet were the least policed. A product manager on Facebook's mistakes prevention team, that's literally a thing, mistakes prevention team, admitted that it keeps adding to the VIP list. She says she has a plan to stop the bleeding, like blocking Facebook employees' ability to enroll new, uh, uh, new users into the whitelist cross-check platform. But they keep adding people. So they're like, we should totally stop doing this while they keep doing it. (laughs) They just keep adding more people. One potential solution remains off the table, though, which is holding the high-profile users to the same standards as us. Because, of course, why would we be held to the same standards as the elites? I mean, did you see the Met Gala? All the workers having to wear the masks and all the pretty people not? Yeah. We are living Elysium. All right, stick around. Brett Winterbull is up next on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'll catch you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.